This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 508, brought to you by Bald Eagle Comics and iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast episode 508. That is an insignificant number. Uh, my name, I'm trying to think of something I could say about it. It's like, there's nothing. There's nothing special about that number. Nothing. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Ron Richards is not here. He's in the land of my heritage. <laughs> He's in Ireland. Uh, dot he is. He's just wondering where he can get a snobbly. He'll be back next week. That's what he said, but we don't know. It's lovely there. He might stay. <laughs> no, he won't. <laughs> I could do this the whole time, by the way. <laughs> Irish people in there are just going to fucking stop it. Jesus. We are iFanboy. Sorry. And we like comic books every week. We read a stock of our comic. Damn it. And one of us picks their favorite book. Damn it. Oh. And we call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about Are we that. Wa- witnessing you having a breakdown? Yeah. Like, well, is this I mean, the moment where it's happened? Let's be honest. I think for, I want to say 20% of the audience, that's pretty much why they're listening. <laughs> just just on a long term. That's why I continue to do the show, just to be there you know, when it happens. 
I know. I really, it, it, we edged close to the sun last week when I just didn't know anything. <laughs> I think that was the one. He, he does, he's just speaking nonsense, and we believe him, like an internet meme. Yeah. We will talk about that pick of the week. We'll talk about other books. We'll talk about some other stuff. We're going to try to read some mail. It'll be a good old time. Just, just, and you know what? Just two jamokes. That's all it is. We're back to the two jamokes era. Two jamokes. Two jamokes could spoil books for you. <laughs> so we're going to talk about what happens in them if you haven't read them. There's your, there's your warning. My Jamoke colleague, Connor, had the pick this week. So, pick of the week was Batman and Robin Eternal number three. And here is why. <laughs> I like how you have to leave it. Let me, ju- let me, <laughs> let me just explain. Because there were some puzzled reactions on social media when we posted the uh, news. Putting aside that I'm not really sure what's going on story-wise. Putting aside I really don't like Dick Grayson as a super spy. Putting aside... The reimagined original Robin costume is an abomination against both man and nature. Putting aside the fact that this is a weekly book, so the art team has two pencilers, three to four inkers, and sometimes Tim Drake looks 15, sometimes he looks 35. Putting all that aside, I think what I decided is that all I really want in my comic book life is to have all the Batman kids solving a mystery together. And this is what the story is. So it just made me happy to read, and I was... I put the book down at the end, and I thought, you know, this is, this is just what I want right now. On this mm-hmm. moment, this, t- this day, this week in comics, I want Dick Grayson and Tim Drake and Jason Todd and Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown and Harper Rowe solving a mystery together because Batman, as we know from the Batman book, is out of commission with his amnesia and his beard. And so they got no choice but to work together. And that is all I want. And I'm just noticing now <laughs> that despite the awful reimagined original Robin costume in the background of one of these panels is the original original Robin costume in the glass case. So I don't know what's going on there. But there's some sort of mystery happening in Gotham. The, in the first issue or the second issue, Dick Grayson was attacked and he, he discovered, I think it was the last issue, he discovered a, a list, a hit list, and it had all their names on it. So he had to gather the team together to figure out what, who's coming after them. And we still don't really know other than there's this mysterious force or person named Mother who can control people's minds. But other than that, right now, it's just about the joy of watching the, the kids hang out together and, and try to figure things out and deal with their particular strengths and weaknesses. And while we also flash back to one of the first missions that Batman and Robin, Dick Grayson, had together uh, as a team. And I always like to see you know, those old stories with Dick Grayson as Robin. But what really, I think, when I decided this could, this could be the pick was early on. So in the last issue, we had the first... New 52 appearance of Cassandra Kane. The she was the old Bat Girl who was mute, and uh, so they bring her back to the Bat Cave to figure out who she is. And she's watching them talk, and they're all arguing about how to talk to her because they can't communicate. And Dick and Tim and Jason are all trying to diff- use their different methods of getting information out of her. And so she stands up and she puts her hand on Jason's hand, and then she touches Tim's forehead and she touches Dick's chest. Basically indicating that, that Jason is the muscle, Tim is the brains, and Dick is the heart of this of this particular team. And she, she gleaned all that from their their argument. And I mm-hmm. thought that was a really nice little uh, character moment. And yeah. she figured it out. Who, and that's a great way of describing who they all are in this particular unit. Dick is definitely the heart of this family. Tim is always portrayed to be the smartest Robin. And uh, Jason is just a thug. But the less of <laughs> him, the better. But that, I like that moment a lot. Plus, in the background, you have... Stephanie and Harper Rowe freaking out that they're in the Batcave and the Harper Rowe's badly injured and they're using this bat machine to fix her up because Alfred's got one hand and he can't sew her up, I assume. He's not in this issue. Bat-tank. Sorry. <laughs> it's like a bat-tank, only there's no liquid. Uh, but it's, it's sewing up her wound. But I just like, I love all the character stuff in this issue. And if it continues to be just the kids solving mystery, and as long as we keep Damien out of it and we somehow bring in Barbara again... Uh, then I will be super happy, even though I don't really love a lot of elements of this book. What is this book? Uh, it's a, uh, it's well. If you remember Batman Eternal, this is the Batman Weekly series. Okay. Is this and weekly? This is weekly. That would explain the most DC like of credits rolls. Right. I mean, there's there's a lot of names there. And at first I was annoyed, but that's because you have to keep the train moving. Sure. Week. No, I get that. But if you look on the last couple of pages when Tim appears, he suddenly looks like he's about 35 years old. But it's the weekly series. It's called Batman and Robin. It's focused on the Robins because obviously Batman's not around, at least the Bruce Wayne Batman. But we do mm-hmm. get a flashback to the old, the old Batman and Robin adventure. So it's really about the younger version of, of the team here. And again, mm-hmm. I don't really know what the story is yet. We discussed this back when Batman and Eternal was coming out and back when 52 was coming out. 
because that's how long we've been doing the show. When you're doing a weekly series, this, the story moves at a different pace than sure. when you're doing a monthly series. So they're allowed to unfold it much slower. So if we were three issues into a monthly series, we'd be halfway through the arc. So we'd have a better idea of what we were dealing with here. We're still very much in the early stages of the story. All we really know is someone's coming after them. But we don't really know much more than that. I think it's interesting that they decided to continue. So that, that to me, says that Batman Eternal must have been some, some kind of a success for them. It did uh, well enough, apparently, to do to continue. Yeah. So this is a nice way of doing it. This is again, we, we discussed this before, but you, we discussed earlier how you're adult, so you may not remember. But uh, it's the writer room style, so Scott Snyder and James Tinian are overseeing the plot. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this issue, Tim Seeley wrote the script. I believe uh, his partner, Tom King, is also writing uh, scripts for this as well. And I like that team a lot. They write Grayson. So there's a lot, there's a lot to like in this going forward. I, again, I don't know where we're going, but right now I'm just enjoying the characters hanging out. At the end of the day, it's all I really want. I just want to hang out. Yeah. I just want to hang out with the Robins. Yeah, I kind of want to just be a Robin. What the Red Hood's it's weird looking. Yeah, it's weird looking. And at one point, they're at a bar, and he like opens his mask up like Iron Man. And it's just yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now. There's a lo- there's gonna be a lot of costume talk on this show. Well, I know, I know, we I know we harp on that a lot. I know some people are probably sick of it, but you're just gonna have to deal with it because we have a lot of angst about the, the way co- superheroes are portrayed these days, costume wise. But he, I don't know why he needs some sort of Iron Man esque mask so you said that you were you know you like there was a batman flashback which is like when when dick and bruce were, were first starting out and so i sort of excitedly flipped to that part looking for it and then i realized i was like oh i'm in it oh yeah. because this is what the past looks like in this because yeah. you know it's like all modern basically yeah and i realized oh this was only five years was several well, that's years the other ago, thing but... you have to kind of put aside is that yeah the we'll say seven years now because it's been around for a couple of years the new 52 this the seven year uh Timeline for the new DC continuity makes no sense, and even makes less sense when you deal with stories like this, where there uh, like each Robin would have been around for like eight months. Right. Mm. High turnover rate. Someone would have investigated some sort of OSHA or or maybe uh, the Justice League HR department would have been like maybe maybe this isn't a position you need to refill. Well, this would have been the uh, the DC Civil War. That's where that that conversation would have started. Right. Also, the final page. I, I must say, the final page of this issue in which. Bruce Wayne yeah. is attacked at a charity event in his honor, uh, where <laughs> he walks into the kitchen and everyone has a hatchet. I uh, think the specificity of the hatchet is key there. It, and there's even one guy it, like hanging from the ceiling. It, yep. It, it was just dumb enough to make me laugh. Yeah, I like that. Like the per, per, uh, previous to this, somebody had like a crate of hatchets and was like, "Everyone, come here, get your hatchets, hurry!" Well, one guy's hiding it behind his back, like maybe. It's a surprise, but everyone else is brandishing it. And well, he doesn't want to look. Yeah, no, you're right. Also, some they're all holding it really high up on the handle. They're not going to be able to get much leverage in the swing. Yeah, you're going to lose the momentum of it. Then there's the one she's holding it with two hands, kind of. No, there's, there's a couple of two-handers. Oh no, there's the waiter. He has a tray. Yeah. The waiter, Dum Dum Dugan, has a a, yeah. a silver serving tray of hatchets. It, Which, by the way, that doesn't work. But it's classy. It's a classy way it, to It is, but I'm saying the second that you get that lid off, those hatchets are clattering to the ground. <laughs> yeah. And then Bruce Wayne in the other room is going, what was that? Oh, no, no nothing, sir. Nothing, sir. It sounded sir. like a chair of hatchets fell over. Nope, nope. Yeah, just give just it normal kitchen give us, noise. Give us four or five minutes, and now I'll bring you in there to investigate that sound, okay? <laughs> but right now they have a lot of hatch um, items to clean up. Right. So for me, really owning this ridiculous moment made it okay. Mm-hmm. Like I first saw it and I was like, silly, but all right, you're really just going with it, silly. So fine. I love how, look, look at, <laughs> this is the thing about comic books. Sometimes comic book artists who've been around for a while learn how to draw a character a certain way at a certain time. And never change. Yeah, this is the Alan Davis effect. Right. And this last page is great because these are, these are some mid-90s haircuts. And clothing. And, and clothing and beard on men. I mean, they've got, like, the chin whiskers. Like, they just look like they're from, like, when we went to college. That's, yeah. that's big, what these people all suits. look like. Yep. Yeah. I love that. So uh, this book is just, just goofy enough, but also heartwarming, for me at least. And I, 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 you know, I concede to probably no one else, which is totally fine. I don't need everyone else's validation. This, just, this book made me happy. That. I also like it as a contrast to eh, maybe we've been harping on things a bit lately. And this is the thing like, well, no, if you get 
some if you get the thing right, the main thing, and I feel like Seely and King have been doing that they for you. They totally to do it with Grayson. Even though, even yeah. though everything else is weird about it, you can still yeah. find that kernel there that is the thing that you liked, and and that's. You know, that's different than just being nitpicking. These suits look dumb. Right. Like, you can get past that. I can, uh, I can I like overlook that. it for the most part. Right. It's hard. It's hard because look at, I mean, it's just dumb. Mm-hmm. It's just dumb. Now, on the other hand, I tried Titans Hunt number one. Is that a verb? Titans comma hunt? I don't or know. They it's, like, it's, it's, it's like a man. Titans hunt. <laughs> Titans hunt, private eye. <laughs> Titans hunt number one was written by Dan Abnett. Who I like and you like. Yeah. And drawn by someone whose name I can't scroll to. Uh, Paolo Sequera and Geraldo Borges. And I, re- I would have sworn there was way more than two artists in this book. I would have thought maybe there was like four. But there are only two artists listed, not even any inkers. So I don't know how you come up with all these different art styles. But anyway. Then the cover is, is uh, Paolo Sequera after Nick Cardi. Right. Which I believe means that that's a like it's a tribute a kind homage, of thing. Homage, yeah, yeah. That's that's the word I was looking for. So I love the Teen Titans, and no surprise considering we just talked about how much I love the Robins. And I haven't read any Teen Titans books since I think issue two of the original Nifty Two reboot because that was one of those god awful ones. Yes, it was. So I was like, oh, I I miss them, and the the cover has the quote unquote original Titans. So I thought, okay, well this is this should be interesting. So. I felt like when I was reading this that I was on a train track and there was a train coming at me and I should I should get off that track, but it's still coming. And is it, um, are we sure it's a train? No, it's definitely a train. And, what uh, if we just get off to the side until we're sure that it's a train? That's an excellent idea that we should probably have done. <laughs> I just, this was weird. And the, the, the way the art styles changed well, drastically throughout was weird and... It's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at it, and what I would say is there are certain pages here that look... Great. I that look passable. They look professional. Yes. And there are other pages here that if I was an editor, I would say, this is pretty good, but you're not quite there. Here's the things you need to work on. Right. And that's across the spectrum. Uh, not counting, lettering's fine. But coloring, inking, yes. anatomy, perspective, like there's definitely... This feels a little like a tryout book, like like somebody who's like, you come back and show us your work on these things. Come back and show us next year. Yes, and and the, and they got work. That's what it looks like to me. Agreed. Uh, there's sizing and proportion issues all over the place here. Yep. And then sometimes like the characters look a lot smoother, like it's less rendered. And oh, totally. I didn't know if I was who I was reading from page to page sometimes, <laughs> uh, which is a problem. So this was also another, and I like Abnett a lot, and I actually did like some of the the story in here. It's just. This is a monthly. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. If it's, I assume it's a miniseries. By the end of the first issue, I didn't know what the story was, which I realized I just said didn't really matter for Eternal, but Eternal's coming out every week. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, know, I know there's some sort of, again, mysterious force that seems to be targeting the original Titans, but I'm, that's sort of my implication. And is that really, Arsenal? Yes. Drunk? Yeah, okay. Here's is mo- he still named Arsenal? Is that, that's, how, that's how far away I am with it. Uh, I, I assume so. It's a speedy at the end here. In well, the, in, he catches a falling bottle of whiskey, and the guy says, "You're speedy," and he freaks out and says, "Yeah, well, you got you have speedy reflexes." He said, "Yes, I am speedy." Uh, so I assume he was speedy at one point. But why did this is again good matter the costumes? Why is he wearing a goddamn baseball hat with his costume? I don't know. It just doesn't. Is that a? It's still a that's thing. his costume. Yeah. If you look I'm on the cover, the and if you truck. look on the final page. Where we have the flashback sh- shot of all the original Titans, supposedly. So he is. He's wearing a baseball hat. It's just stupid. And it doesn't match. No, and look at Robin's costume again. What is it with the stuff on his chest? Well, that's like that There's leather. There's a W stuff. on his chest. <laughs> on his stomach, actually. Yeah. That looks like some Lord of the Rings armor. That look, He looks elfin. Well, Wonder that's Girl gets basically like. half her basic original costume. Mm-hmm. And I even like kind of like Aqualads, which is which recalls Aquaman, sure. which is a different color scheme, and I kind of like that one. But Robins and Arsenals are just dumb, and I don't even know who's other who's people the, are. Is that supposed to be Cyborg? No, it's I forgot his name. He's been around before. He's he actually wins a not Golden Globe award in the middle of this issue. Okay, and then who's the big that I said it was Nar? I was I was reading through it. I've know. never heard of that character. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. All right. That's fine. Yeah. That, and you know what? That's also fair. I like that. That doesn't bother me. I assume it's Cave Boy, according to this. According to this. Uh... Cave. Oh yeah, the little files down there. All right. 
So I'm going to read another one because I love the Titans and I'm just kind of curious, but this one didn't. Mostly because mm-hmm. I like Dan Abnett a lot, and I'm going to give him yeah. the benefit of the doubt of another issue. But uh, this was rough. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's uh, let's switch it up a little bit. Now, I think I was a little I was a little dubious about Tokyo Ghost Number One. I liked it was there, but I wasn't sure. wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Coming into issue number two uh, of uh, this Rick Remender Sean Murphy book, I have decided that I liked it very very much. This was almost the pick. If it was yes, if it wasn't Eternal, it was going to be Tokyo Ghost Number Two. Almost solely for this double-page spread in the middle, which was yeah. just gorgeous. But also, uh, so a fanboy, former writer, sometimes podcast contributor Mike Romo walked into my office at work, and I said, uh, hey, look at this book. I showed him the two-page spread, and he said, what's it about? And I said, it's, it's kind of all about recommenders' fears for the future. And he said, isn't that all of recommenders' books? And I said, well, yes. Yeah. But that's good. it's good material to mine. There was one bit uh, of that. I'm trying to find that spread. Uh, when he's chasing the guy in Japan. Oh yeah, no, there's that. Wait, I'm thinking of another book. I'll find, I'll, I'll remember where we get to it. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. It, it's 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 that thing that that Sean Murphy does, which is to blend styles, mm-hmm. but also make it look completely like himself. I like that his dude led. I guess is what we'll call him. Like right. he has the he has Sean Murphy hair and face. Under all that stuff, like he took it out, and I was like, "Oh, yep, Sean Murphy hair and face. That's that guy," which is exactly the same thing that we were just talking about. Some people own it, and he does, and right. that's fine. So, uh, in the last issue, we were sort of—I uh, hate saying post-apocalyptic, but it's sort of post-economic apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Los Angeles and Lead and his partner um, Tammy. Well, no, that's that's the girl. In the, whatever they—the two character, two main characters. Yeah, uh, they're basically kind of like private cops and they were stopping a crime and in this issue we meet their boss who is this rich asshole and he sends them on another mission to tokyo because of tokyo debbie debbie and japan is where there is only place in the earth where there's no technology they have an emp field around tokyo you can't technology can't even work but what they do have is an abundant amount apparently the rumor is an abundant amount of food and water which is something lacking in the rest of the world because everybody's jacked into the internet all the time and robots do all the work their mission is to go to tokyo kill the warlord who was in charge, and pave the way to plunder all of Japan's resources. Debbie's secret plan is just to, just to stay there because she's the only one in the, in the world outside of there who, doesn't, who is injected into technology, and she wants to stay and keep her boyfriend out of his addiction. And we get a nice little flashback to them. As yeah, well, as I was going to say, there's a, there's a ton of story in this. Yes, and a lot, lot of times, if I am in a position where I have a lot of comics to read and I'm busy or whatever, and I get to something like this, I'm like, oh, this is, this is a lot. And I, I didn't even feel it. Like, I no. really enjoyed the, the, oddly enough, I enjoyed all of the information overload in this, <laughs> uh, ironically. It, it, it was very clear, like, sort of what was happening in that, that you know, it's a, it's a, it's a super clear metaphor. It's not, yeah. it's not hard to grasp. It's no. the same thing as in WALL-E. You know, we're, we're just, the people are just jacked in and they're, they're, they're losing it. And, and she has this history of making, of like, in her family, of people who made bad decisions about being in love with somebody who's not present and, and. And the repetition of that, and and I really like the themes. There's also the theme of masculinity and lost masculinity, yep. and the guy, the fact that Led chose a life of of enhancements and steroids or whatever, and being jacked in because he felt inadequate because he couldn't save Debbie when they were attacked by a bunch of thugs. She had to do it, and he felt ridiculed, and and even later on when they're in Tokyo, he feels the same way. So it's there's also that that interesting dynamic to it too. Yeah. Feeling inadequate, the, the male inadequacy feeling. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of ripe stuff in here. I think as I'm going across, like Remender has a lot of books right now, and I don't love all of them. Like I have a hard time getting into low. Yeah. I like Deadly Class, but I don't, I don't want to say it does a ton for me. This one really is uh, hitting me uh, in the right way, and I think it's just it's a great conversation. It's also fascinating how many comics now are are doing this kind of story. Well, there's a lot it's, of anxiety. This, clearly, yeah. I mean, like we're in. It's funny because it's like the the Mad Max era. Like we're we're coming back into that kind of thing. Like this post societal uh, apocalypse isn't the word. You're right, but like you know, environmental disaster, economic collapse. You know, there's a lot of books like that right now, and and clearly like that's in the air. I mean, as much as people love their technology, and I love my technology, and I you know, I know you love sure. your technology. I know there's a lot of for some people there's a lot of anxiety about loving that technology, and I've been actually I've made. Actually, a concerted effort in the last couple of weeks to not be on my phone when I'm out, when I'm walking around, when I'm waiting yeah. in line. You know, it's, it, I know I it's become the habit to just take it out, but now I, 
I've made a conscious decision. And that's, that, that's what the kind of anxiety that's feeling this book. Well, he says, I think it's in this book. I think it's in the part that he writes. He says, we, you and I and, and Rick and, Sh- and Sean Murphy you know, are, are the last of the generation to have grown up without this. Yeah. So no one will have ever known. My kids will not know what that's like. And I am just as guilty of that as anybody. Mm-hmm. But I'm aware of it. And they won't be aware of it. And it's, you know, like, I look around, it scares me. Like, you look yeah. around, everybody's staring at the phone. You're driving on the highway at night, and you look at the car next to you. You and see that light, light which yeah. means that he's not looking. And oh, he's going to swap every time. No, I mean, it's here, too. But, every, yeah. Well, and, LA, and then so just start to wonder what, you know, it's worse. Don't it was bad when I was there, and we didn't have smartphones yet. Oh, that was an old man statement. <laughs> anyway, and I'm totally aware. I, you know what I hate? I, I and for you, this is how I know that I have a problem with is that I hate pictures of me looking at a phone. Like if there's a picture of me where I'm in the background or anywhere looking at a phone, I'm like, get rid of it. I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> just... it's 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 a problem. I think that he clearly feels it. He talks about it in the letters column, <laughs> and this is sort of the, I don't want to say humorous, but the the uh, stylistic leap from from where we are now sure. to. To, uh, but not, the future. but know, not. I, I mean, not much different than like in the same vein of what Brian Vaughn did uh, with Private Eye. Yes, you know, like it's a leap, but it makes sense. Like, oh, totally. I get that. It's a different conclusion to come to it, but but it's all sort of it's fun fodder, I guess. But you're right. I think Rick's doing a really great job in general. He's got a lot of ideas, and not all of them work for me personally. But I, love I that like he has that's them. a strength. Yeah, that to me is really interesting. Like these are these are doing different things. This one though is really working for me right now. Yeah, definitely. Now I gave, I gave a shot to Uncanny Inhumans number one. I'm not really usually an Inhumans reader. I have enjoyed Inhumans books in the past, but I figured why not try another Uncanny book since I've been trying them all up to this point. And uh, I assume you read the Uncanny Inhumans because you're a big Inhumans fan. I did, but that's not why. Because I haven't been reading all of my. I tried for a while and then I kind of lost the thread a little bit. But I did read this because you know new start, whatever. I don't know what it says about me right now, but I'm trying to pull it up and I'm trying to remember what it was about. Well, what's funny is that, again, because I didn't, I literally, because you go on Comixology and you just see the little cover, so I didn't really see, it's funny how irrelevant covers become to the buying process, because the, the thumbnail is so small, unless you click on it to make it larger, which I don't do, uh, and I didn't know who the, the creative team again was, and I was pleasantly surprised to find it was Charles Soule and Steve McNiven, at least, yeah, for, at least think, for this yeah. issue it is, <laughs> who knows how long Steve McNiven will actually be drawing it, but um, so to get back to the costume thing, Black Bolt's strangely armored costume is terrible. But beyond that, I liked it. I liked, you know, Kang was the villain, and who doesn't love, especially love you and I? I also love really liked that character story. reader that, that he came up with. That was in one of the other series. I've literally lost track of what series it was because there were so well, many. What was great, and I really noticed about this and really appreciated was that um, unlike the, uh, some of the other books I've read from Marvel, the, this, new, this new kickoff is that Charles Soule made it a distinct uh, effort to have everyone in the book named out loud and I know some people find that um, and hokey but I didn't know who these characters were so the fact that on the first page one guy calls the other guy reader lets me know okay that guy's name is reader you know I don't yeah. I'm not wondering the whole time and everybody try, you know what the hell That's is this Triton everybody has everybody's name is called out now you don't need to do that you can do that in a roll call which is another way to do it but you can also do it organically in the story and I liked the fact that you know I only know who Black Bolt is in this opening bit and you're supposed to like you're, that's a, that's a that's a pretty basic rule. You're supposed to do that, right? And so he's. It, what's funny is like Triton is. If you're an Inhumans guy, like Triton's not not a new character, but they all look so different in each one, right? You know, each new redesign or whatever that that it's it's necessary. Except so I, I liked that a lot. I was like, oh, good. I'm not completely in the dark here, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked this. I did like it. Uh, I liked uh, the Medusa bit in the middle where they're sort of uh, celebrities and sort of, but. Sort of not, and uh, but again, we got that weird thing with uh, Johnny Storm showing up, and and then Hank is here. We still don't know what the status is of the mutants, although we know, but we don't. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I didn't love yeah, it, it but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and that's kind of how I've been with most of the Inhuman stuff for a while. There's yeah. definitely things that are interesting. There's a storyline that this is referring to where Black Bolt made a deal with Kang, you know, to help save his son, and and obviously he's going back on that. I like that kind of intrigue stuff that. That sort of gets back to the Illuminati, mm-hmm. you know. Like there's there's guy there's guys in the Marvel universe working at a really high level, and I find that interesting. But it's hard to do well. I enjoyed Kang unleashing different elements of time at them, like dinosaurs yeah. and British soldiers from World War One. And I don't think it's all that effective, but no, I appreciate. But I enjoyed the visual. Yeah, yeah. And totally. I liked I liked uh, sort of Kang as Oz, giant head in the sky. 
Mm-hmm. Like, was there a, a, a regiment of World War One soldiers? Yeah, World War One British soldiers that's, and dinosaurs. That's no real reason for that. <laughs> well, there's a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, and they're they're really good at taking punishment. That's really <laughs> that was their main. You know, I feel like object. they're just there to distract while the dinosaurs swoop in. They could hold a terrible position endlessly because they were told to. Right. That's that's your World War One soldier. Anyway, uh, and I like the scene <laughs> with Beast and Medusa. Uh, the, the, yeah, the tension there was nice. So related to that mm-hmm. was Karnak number one. Karnak, uh, the Inhuman, whose whose power is to uh, instantly understand, recognize, and be able to exploit the weakness in all things. I remember that one issue I read with him. Yeah, the, I thought that's kind of interesting. And then I saw it written by Warren Ellis, and I thought, well, I do want to read this. Oh, that seems perfect for him. It does. And what we have is a, a somewhat re-envisioning of Karnak. You may remember that he died, uh, went to hell, and figured out the weakness in hell and how to escape. So now he's a reincarnated, I guess. I don't know if that's the right... Reincarnated Karnak? Yeah. Hey. Um, Driving a car? Uh, and, and he's sort of like this sort of zen monk of inhumans, and he, he trains people and... and Funds it by being hired to go on these jobs, and and he's he's just he's one of those like he's like the best he is at what he does at that kind of thing, and he can just cut through people and 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 beat a bunch of people, and I don't know, it's it's I don't I'm not I'm not ready to say it's great and I'm hooked, but it is interesting enough that with the creative team involved, who's the artist? Uh, it's a Zafino, but it's not Jorge Zafino, <laughs> so I keep thinking, ooh, Jorge Zafino, that's that's unusual, but uh, it's not that, it's uh. Of course, they don't put the credit at the beginning. This is a problem with digital right now, by the way. It's Gerardo Zafino. I was going to say Steve. Steve Zafino. Yeah. So I don't know if he has any. If, I don't know if he's related to uh, comic master Jorge Zafino. I don't know. Uh, downloading it sounds fun. Yeah, it's worth a thing to look at. I, was th- I think you might like it. But it is one of those things where Warren Ellis is not going to tell you what's going on. He's right. going to start the story, and you're going to follow along with well, faith. he's a pro. Yes. People often ask us, why do some writers get leeway and some of them don't? Because some guys are pros, and some and guys still have to prove themselves. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, so, so you know so he's going to make it work. And So we'll probably get what? You'll probably get six issues out of this? Yeah, that's about right. So there you go. 1872, number four, ends this miniseries. Uh-huh. And this could have also been the pick. Uh, this wrapped up. I thought it wrapped up well, and, and I know a lot of your fears were that it was going to be very yeah. superhero-y, but it didn't, really didn't. Oh no, it didn't. I thought it wrapped up great. I was I was very pleased. I was very happy. In fact, I think this did you talk for a second. I'm gonna find it. So in this issue, you know, this is the final confrontation between the good guys. We've got two things going on. We've got Banner and we've got Natasha. So we've got Hulk and Black Widow being tortured by uh Simon, Wonder Man. And uh, back in town we have is it Red Wolf? Yep. Red Wolf and Stark going up against the town bad guys led by Wilson Fisk. And and, uh, and, and Black Widow. And Black, well, she shows up back from, she's with Banner, yeah. and then she comes back to the town. But uh, I loved this shoot, you know, I love a good town square shootout. You know, he, Tony Stark was, didn't really, he wasn't really all that effectual in the shootout. I did like him punching the horse, it reminded me of Mongo and Blazing Saddles. Although he didn't mean to punch the horse, but still it was funny. I don't advocate horses being punched, but in this non-reality it was funny. Okay. And then uh, Banner sacrifices himself to blow the dam, which is the whole point of the whole thing in the first place. And I just, it was, I liked this a lot. I really liked this a lot. Yeah, I thought, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. My fears about, like, like, he never turned into the Hulk. Like, there was a reason for that page. stuff. Yeah, but. Yeah, the there's a giant footprint, but. Yeah, that's true. That, there was that. And, but more or less, like, it, it wasn't a factor in the story. Right. He, it, was, it was more that he sort of built a, a bomb, a gamma bomb, I assume. Yeah. I liked that it really downplayed the superhero stuff, but all the elements were still there. And also, it was super Western. Like, yeah. it was, they didn't, like, the, like the, the marching away of Fisk at the end it, and, and, and sort of the, the killing of him in the street. It was very, very Western. There's that little <laughs> bit with Red Wolf and, I guess it's Elektra. Yeah, it is, and he's, he's kills her. I love after after Black Widow shoots Kingpin, they all everybody starts dancing in the street like it was the end of the <laughs> Star Wars re, re, reissue. It was just, they're all swinging around, they're square dancing. It's just a big old, and then the guy's shooting guns in the air, and Red Bull's like, "Stop shooting guns!" Just so who shows up at the end? Is that supposed to be Deadpool and the Punisher? Yeah, Deadpool and the Punisher, yeah. So Pastor Frank, that's the Punisher, uh-huh. and then uh, he calls him. Uh, Merc, and if you look at his belt, he's got the Deadpool logo. Yeah, I just belt. I just saw that. That the, they should have left off the mask. That's the only thing. Well, is it a mask or is it skin peeling? I don't know. I thought it was some sort he of has, disease. He has reading glasses. Yeah, I think I, I just felt like it wasn't a good representation. But I thought it was, I thought it was skin was maybe skin diseased. Yeah, that, that's fair. I can see that. 
It says at the end, the Avengers of the West will return. Yep. And, you know, I'm a comic fan, so I, have, I must hold them to their word forever and ever. They said this it's thing, great. they must do it. I loved this. If they want to do more, I'll, I'll yep. buy it. Me and, me yep, and you absolutely. and four other people. <laughs> well, if they're going to return, I assume the first issue didn't fail completely. You know, for someone who was so grumpy about Back to the Future Day, I, I was very surprised to see Back to the Future number one on this list of comics to discuss. Who's grumpy? I said one thing. <laughs> I said one thing the day after. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna shit in anyone's cornflakes. That's heavy. That's man. not. That's not true at all. <laughs> Come on, it was a little much. Back to the Future one draw is two stories in here. They're written by Bob Gale. Hey, it's an IDW book. It is an IDW book, written by Buck. It's a licensed book. Shocking. Uh, written by Bob Gale, with art by Brent Schoonover, and I gotta get to the other guy. Basically, uh, Eric Burnham. No, he wrote the other one. There's like uh, IDW has seventy covers that you have to get through. Story by Bob Gale, script by Eric Burnham, and then John Barber on the other one. Art by Dan Shoning. Shaning. Basically, these are. This is like the story. The first one is the story of when. Marty met Doc Brown and how, mm-hmm. and then the second one is a history of Doc Brown like joining the Manhattan Project. Basically, hmm. it's sort of background stuff. And because Bob Gale came up with it, he's I was the writer curious. of the movie. So yeah, yeah, sorry, that yeah. might yeah, get me to think about. Probably not. Still, probably not. Yeah, I, it's it's they're not very intensive. Right. It's it's a bit of a trifling. It's fun. You know, like the characterizations are pretty good. I really like Dan Schoening, his art a lot. The second story is, is very nice. The coloring on the first story is not great, but Brent Schoonover's art is uh, very good. And it's got that thing where we're talking about, we're doing representations, but not photorealistic. It's very cartoony. Right. So That's like good. it works. Because th- this works more cartoony, yes. I think. Yes. Uh, whereas if you try to do it photorealistic, it would really feel stupid. Yes. So it works in that way. And we, you know, we get to skip through time. But the other way, like before the story, I That's guess. Cool. I just I just put that together, which makes sense. That's what you'd want to do. It wouldn't just be like a tale of Hill Valley in 1985. That would suck. So you went back uh, in time is what you're saying. Back in time. <laughs> Can I go back? Well, <laughs> do you remember that sketch? It, yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. It was funny. Back in time. Um, so but did you like it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't know that I want to read it forever, but, you know, good mini- timing is it? for is them. It one shot as a miniseries? It's number one, so I assume there's going to be some. And it was sort of... Is that a cliffhanger? Does it wrap the story up? uh, The first one was sort of, this is how they met, and then there's adventures to come sort of kind of thing. And then the second one, he just joined the Manhattan Project. So yeah, I mean, there there should be more, Hmm. I think. Just check it out. You'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. Well, there's a, there's a lot of comics out there, and they're expensive. And we know you're trying to save money in your favorite comic books. We found the perfect store to help you do that. Bald Eagle Comics is an online comic shop where everything's marked down 20%. In addition to the standing discounts, they also have weekly deals, which can help you save money up to 70% on all of your favorites. And the savings don't just apply to back issues. You get the same deals for Marvel and DC new releases. I know what you're thinking. Those kinds of discounts, they must charge a lot for shipping, Josh. People often make it up on shipping. Yes. No, no, not Bald Eagle Comics. They don't? No. Shipping is just $3 for your entire order. So if you spend 50 bucks or more, you get free shipping. Two-day shipping for free so you know you can buy all the comics you want and you pay just three bucks or free that's all you pay for shipping and when you and you know those things are heavy so that's that's what people don't understand about shipping paper yeah. paper's heavy heavy that's why we have meteor rate and i know as a collector you want your comics to arrive safely which is why every comic from bald eagle comics comes with a free bag and board and they're shipped in special bend proof packaging that is important i have a very tiny mailbox things are often shoved into the so uh, if it can't important. bend, though, can they put it in the mailbox? No, they will just leave it on top and or to bring it to my door. Right. But what I'm saying is it's important that, they, that your comics are protected and not stuffed into a mailbox by, by a mailman who doesn't care. So if he's unable to bend it, he won't do that and he will take better care of it. Yes, exactly. So Bald Eagle Fair Comics enough. will ship you your comics in a... I don't know why I said he. Most of my, my uh, postal carriers are female. There you go. The good folks at Bald Eagle Comics are doing a special deal just for listeners of our show. You can get all of their comics in their store for 40% off. Damn. Just, just use coupon code UNCANNY, U-N-C-A-N-N-Y, with all capital letters before November 5th. So you have about, if you're listening to this show as it comes out, you have about a week and a half uh, to get your 40% off all the comics at Bald Eagle Comics. It's 40% off everything with coupon code UNCANNY, U-N-C-A-N-N-Y. 
You can find all that at baldeaglecomics.com to order your comics today. It's a good deal. 40% off. Here's what you should do. You've got some, like you've got some comics you've been thinking about. You've been, you've been going, oh, I don't know if I'm going to buy it. You've got a timeline here. You can pick them up. You get a good price on them. You're supporting the show. So that's another, that's another thing. Uh, and, and these guys are supporting shipping. us. Two-day shipping. Two shipping. Three bucks. That's all you got to add in on top of it. So that's a win. Yeah, if you're someone who doesn't have a comic store in your area and you've been listening to the show and you heard about some of these books and you want to maybe try out Back to the Future number one mm-hmm. or uh, you know, Batman and Robin Eternal, if you weren't going to pick it up but now you decided, I also want to be a Robin, Yeah, pick it up at Baldwin Comics. Un- you get, that is the third issue. And so you're, getting, you're basically getting two issues. Uh, you're, you're getting one issue of the three for free. Great. There you go. So baldeaglecomics.com. Clean room number one out from Vertigo Comics this oh. week. Oh. It's a Vertigo number one, and I felt, uh, I don't want to say duty bound, but. You're duty yeah, bound. Yeah, duty, duty bound is exactly what it was. Uh, written by Gail Simone. Mm-hmm. And this, Art again, this is another one of those ones like it, it can't be that good uh, if I don't remember what the story was. Oh, no. <laughs> Who's the artist on it? I am going to the beginning of it because I was reading that other thing. Actually, no. This was actually fairly interesting. The artist is uh, John Davis Hunt, who did the art and color. Okay. And, and as a special shout out, lettered by Todd Klein, which oh, I always nice. appreciate. That's always, I'm He's like, a that, master. There's, there's your benefit for going to Vertigo. You're going to talk about, well, if I go to Image, I own the whole thing. I go to Vertigo, it's going to be Todd a paycheck. Todd Klein but is I'll, not going to be lettering your books. At, this is what I'm getting at. Or maybe he will, Actually, I don't know. I really Good. like the art by John Davis Hunt, across the board. Very sort of simple line drawn in the vein of sort of a like Steve Dillon or um, what's her name from Why the Last Man? Pia Guerra. Yeah, her. Like that, that sort of style. Mm-hmm. So sort of an early 2000s Vertigo kind of I style. I assume this was the story of people who work with, with technology chips who are making rocket chips, people working clean rooms. This is their story. Not so, at all. No? Not a story about people working at Intel? This is basically a metaphor for Scientology. Ooh. I like those. And the, the L. Ron Hubbard of this experienced a trauma as a little girl um, where she sees dead people or monsters or something that other people can't see. Mm-hmm. And then we meet an- then we flash forward to meet another character who is so sick of seeing monsters that she's or dead people or whatever it is. It's not exactly clear that she tries to kill herself. And then she decides because she is a journalist, she's going to go confront this Scientology type woman uh, about this thing, too. Hmm. And there is involved with whatever her self-help slash spiritualist movement, something called the clean room. And we don't know what it is yet. Interesting. Yeah. No, you didn't love it. So now are you going to pick up number two yeah i probably will i mean unless it's on like some really stupid week i i i liked it i thought it was well structured a little bit of the i mean i feel like we've had well there's there's a i know that the doctor strange book had you know that here's what he sees which is all this stuff going on in the background all the time it's very very similar to that and i mm-hmm. think there's another thing like that that's going on uh, i'm trying to think but i just feel like i've had this concept a few times having it mixed up with something like scientology is a little on the nose in terms of topicality, I think. Sure. Um, but it was well done. It was good looking. And, I, you know, I want Vertigo to succeed. So I'll, I'll, I'll check in again. I'll, I'll let you know. I wanted to really quickly mention Dr. Fate number five. I haven't been all that impressed with the, that sort of second wave of DC books they put out that same week. They're all, they all come out together. Dr. Fate and Black Canary and Marshmallow. In fact, I dropped Marshmallow this week. I just couldn't make it through this, this latest issue. But uh, so there's something charming about Dr. Fate. And it could be the Sunny Lou art, which is really wonderful, and the cover this week was particularly spectacular. But it could also be, and I get that fact that Paul Levitz is a middle-aged, or older middle-aged white man writing a book about a teenage American-Egyptian kid. However, he's a pro and knows how to tell a comic book story. So I don't know how authentic it is, but he knows how to craft a tale, and the Sunny Lou, Lou art is really fantastic. So I think the, those two combined together really make for sort of a very charming book. I don't love it. And I get kind of lost in some of the mythology of, of the gods and things that are happening. But uh, I do find myself really enjoying it every month. Every month it comes out, I think, well, should I continue? And then I do, and then I like it. So that's all I can really say about Dr. Fate. I saw, I saw it, and for some reason... Look at the I cover. Look at the cover. Just no, no, I, I did. It might have been it. But I, for some reason, like I, I, I checked it out. It was basic. I was like, this is a Dr. Fate series. This is pretty early. And I looked, and I saw Paul Levitz, and I thought, eh. And I saw Sonny Lewin, and I went, huh. And I, did, I didn't read it. It's but, an odd combination, uh, for sure. It is uh, definitely, it's very strange. Uh, I agree with that. Old school and new school. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like it. It's, oh. it. For right now, it's interesting. Cool. 
Weird World number five wraps up Weird World. All right. And this is another one of those things that, like, it, it presages the ending of Battle World, but we don't know what it was. Right. Which didn't really bother me, because, but it, I think we're going to start seeing it. I think there's another book that happened, too. Um, we're going to start seeing that a lot. Well, we saw it a lot last week. We're going to start seeing yeah. every, basically every book that starts over. Basically, at the end of this one, like, all of the people that Archon has run into over the course of this series and fought, like, joined up with him at the end, and they all went to fight Morgan Le Fay, and they were just about to win. And then there's a white flash of light, and everything is gone because Battle World ended. Oh. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it, though. So then we cut to the Bermuda Triangle, where a plane goes down, crashes. Mm -hmm. The people who survived the plane crash, which that doesn't Jack and Hurley and. Yeah, all the lost folk. Kate, yeah. A dinosaur comes along, and then uh, there's a lot of weird shit happening. And then Archon comes out of the shadow, and he's like, Welcome to World, World, World. You're going to be here a while. And then it says to be continued. There's going to be a weird world. I can't say it. Weird world. <laughs> when people stop being weird and stop, <laughs> people stop being polite and start getting weird. See, I hear wild world in my head. Yeah. Every time. So, uh, it was good though. It was great. Like the whole time, I was, this is the one that I was talking about. There is a a big two page spread in the middle of it of like all the people coming into fight, and then at one point there's like uh, it's either two fish or two birds just holding a, a small cartoonish atom bomb just in the middle of it, and I really appreciate it. It was one of those, like, there you go, that's what comics should be, right there. Fish holding an atom bomb. Trying to flip my way to it, but uh, uh, gorgeous. The S.H.I.E.L.D. book is, I mentioned before, the the book that teams up... uh, I'm sorry, it was butterflies. Butterflies. Two butterflies holding an atom bomb. That's even more dangerous, because they don't have strength for that. Well, it's a weird world, man. Uh, The S.H.I.E.L.D. book book teams up the characters from the TV show with every issue a different... Uh, character from the Marvel Universe that would never be on the TV show. And last month was Howard the Duck, and I didn't really enjoy it because I don't really enjoy Howard the Duck. So I said, okay, who's going to be this month? And I looked at the cover, and, I, and here's a little one-act play about what went through my head. Oh, it's Dominic Fortune. I don't care about Dominic Fortune. Oh, Howard Chaykin drew it. That was that, That's exactly what went on in my head when I when I saw this issue. So it was a I one. hear you. So Howard Chaykin drew this issue in which uh, Dominic Fortune... Uh, old man Dominic Fortune. He's not young like he is in the cover. He's he's long past his prime. He's an old, you know, he's an older character from the old days of Marvel. He's sort of around that Nick Fury era, so that they've made him old because they've decided, screw all those old characters. We're just going to put them out the pasture. And uh, he teams up with Agent Coulson to go on a riverboat because Dominic Fortune's riverboat got swindled from him from Hydra. Hydra stole his riverboat in a, in a gambling swindle. So Agent Coulson and Dominic Fortune go back to get it. And it's a... Kind of an Ocean's Eleven-esque story drawn by Howard Chaykin, and I really like it. Didn't he do a Dominic Fortune series? Yes. Yeah. That's probably how they got huh. it. But it was fun, because it was just a bunch of guys in tuxedos fighting in a, in a riverboat. Well, that's all right. So, and Howard Chaykin's awesome. It was good Chaykin. So there's a new Invincible reboot. Again? Yep. Yep. Another one. Yeah, so this is issue 124? Yes. And we, we start uh, where they started issue number one. What do you mean? It's issue number one of Invincible, okay. except Mark is the same Mark we've been with all along, and he doesn't know why he's there. <laughs> so he knows everything. So did he wake up uh, in his old body? Yes. Yeah, his so old Mark is in start, his young body. Yeah, it was, was going to be that day. Yeah, so he has to go and talk to Eve, and she's like, how do you know who I am? And and he has to like have the in the end is he starts to have the conversation with his dad because if you remember the beginning of Invincible, he was pretty ugly. So this is like too cool to be forgotten. But it's exactly like too cool to be forgotten. Yeah, that's the it's the Alex Robinson graphic novel. It's exactly that. Awesome. I love it. (laughs) I know. I love it. It, Kirkman's just like fuck it. I'm I'm very rich and powerful, and I'll just do whatever I want. I literally don't remember how the last thing ended. I know that they were on they were on the alien planet. You know, and everything was really weird, and they were trying to get along and, and make things work, and and then and now this, <laughs> just like. Fuck. But now you're seeing Ryan Otley drawing the original stuff, which is uh huh. Uh, I went Corey and checked. Walker. I was like, wait a minute, is this is this Ryan? And it is. It's not uh, Corey Walker, which I haven't seen that stuff in so long. But it feels just like being back at the beginning. It's That's very awesome. weird. I look forward to reading that. <laughs> it's one crazy. Time. That's great. Yeah, it was worth a t- it was worth touching on. We have a Star Wars corner check in. We've got a two part Star Wars corner. The first part is in, in which I point out to Josh that just last yeah. week, seven days ago, you said I am out on Darth Vader. I can't. I don't. I don't know what it is. You said I'm out. You very dramatically I, took a pause and you said yeah. I'm out. 
Well, last week I was referring to Shattered whatever. No, no, Shattered no, 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 no. You said I'm out of the Darth Vader. That was two weeks ago. Last week was Shattered Empire. And I did not get Shattered Empire this time. Okay. I, I want to know what happens with this Darth Vader story, apparently. Because <laughs> when I was hovering over the, like, the download button, I was like, yeah, I'm going to read that. And actually, it was really pretty good. Basically, what the story is now is that you've got this Imperial inspector who's been assigned with Darth Vader to find out who perpetrated the crime that we know Darth Vader did. Uh, and so the whole time, he's got to keep fooling this really smart guy about what's happening. Why doesn't like, he just force choke him? Because he can't. He, did, he, he took care of the last guy, and then this one's much smarter and better. You can't. Uh, no, I don't care how smart you are. You can force choke Einstein. I know, but then there's going to be questions. Well, like whatever. that last one you were with. Force choke the next guy. Died. Whoever has the questions, he gets force choked. Force choke everybody. That's what the beauty of the force choke is. You're not wrong. So uh, and the point is, like, I, I'm, I did. I went back. I jumped on that wagon. And, uh, yeah, also, he does try to force choke the girl, who, of course, has been helping him all along, and, and he doesn't care about anybody because he's Darth Vader. And she, uh, you know, she gets out of that, and they, they move along. It's like the parable of the, the scorpion and the whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Frog. Scorpion and the frog. You know it's going to yeah. happen. So... Yeah, that happened. Every everybody double crossed everybody else. So now are and, you staying? Uh, I'm I'm gonna read the next one. Okay. So quickly tell people how they can help the show and then we'll get back to Star Wars Corner. iFanboy.com slash support. It's all right there. You will find an Amazon link where you can uh, very easily go at, into to Amazon.com and buy whatever it is you need through that link. Uh, it will look and feel exactly like your normal Amazon experience, except uh, the things you buy uh, will get credited to us. And then we will we will be paid buy them and that is a way that you can very easily support the show it's actually quite important to us so uh if you if you make that your amazon link because you really appreciate the show and you want to give back that is a wonderful thing that you can do uh you could also join uh and become an ifanboy member at three dollars a month or thirty dollars a year or whatever it is that you would like to donate directly to the show if, if you do not want to go through amazon or or you just want to show us that that this is an important part of your comic reading life uh, and therefore life uh, i know for some people have been around a really long time and and uh you know, this is the new economy of entertainment, and so you know we really appreciate the people who uh, step up and support the things uh, that they care about, and uh, we appreciate it if you'd be one of those if you have not already. Great. And other shows, other shows you like, uh, you know, the podcast. This is this is how the economy is shaped up. A lot of times, there's not enough people unless you're really famous to have advertising sort of fully support a thing. Um, but this is a really good way to sort of participate directly. So thank you. Now we're going to do some audience questions. And we might run a little long to get them all in just because we have been neglecting them. But the first one is about Star Wars. So I'm saying part two of our Star Wars corner block. Greg M. from Medford, New Jersey writes and says, I'm assuming the Star Wars blackout is continuing into the newest trailer released on Monday night. Yes. Yes. I, and and that, has, that has led me. You want to finish this question? Oh, yeah. No, that is That's question. it. That's all the questions. Nice, nice short question. So I feel like. This can function as a bit of a support group. This show? Have you watched it yet, Connor? No, I have not. not. Well, here's the thing. Excellent. Uh, We actually had an interesting discussion at work because literally 50% of the office has watched it. 50% of the office has not watched it and is not going to watch it. So the 50% of us that have not watched it said, what happens if we're at the movies and it comes on? So I went to the movies the other day. Yeah. And I saw Bridge of Spies. Yes. And as I was in the lobby, it occurred because it was Tuesday, the movie that they'd come out on. And I thought they're probably not going to show it because. But if they do, I thought that's fair game. Yes, that's that's what I said in the discussion. It's in the theater. It's in content. I'm not going to search it out, but if I'm at a movie and it's presented to me, I'm going to watch. I tried the Jeff Kanata thing. Our buddy Jeff Kanata doesn't watch trailers, and when they come on, when he's in the movies, he covers his ears and his eyes. I tried that once after hearing about him do that. It's a long time. It's so loud in the theater. I couldn't keep the sound out. I don't know how he keeps from hearing it. I heard, I heard the whole thing, so I thought this is pointless. So if I'm at the movies and it comes on, I'll watch it, but I'm not going to seek it out. I don't want to see it. It's already so close. I've already got my tickets. I'm already going to go. It was too late. To. You'd heard everything. I've heard everything. And I know that also the Black God is extended to Ron as well. None of us have watched the trailer. There was maybe a moment a couple of days ago where I was like, I kind of, nope, not going to do it. And I was watching The Daily Show, and they did a story about that and the resultant quote-unquote boycott by morons. And I had to look away every time they were starting to show footage. Yes. And I've, I've, like I've just, seen some stills, and I'm not happy about that. But it's very, it's very hard to get away from it. I've definitely seen things that I didn't want to. Yes. Because so, it's sort of everywhere. In fact, if there was one benefit to the Back to the Future day... It was that all that Star Wars stuff seemed to go away for a little bit. It'll be back, but I'm gonna have to go to blackout as it gets closer. Mm-hmm. Scott S 
it's not Tosca Eder. It's not. Okay. It's not. I have been a long-time listener since the Revision 3 days, but first time writing. Long-time listener, first time caller. I look forward to each week to, I look forward to, each week to your shenanigans. My problem slash question is, my wife hates that I read and collect comic books. I'm 31 and have been collecting since X-Men number one, Jim Lee, we know. Well, it could have been X-Men number one, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby. Yeah, well, if he's 31, that doesn't make sense. I'm just saying, uh, he, he's nope. not. Okay, nope. continue. She can be somewhat supportive. For example, she let me decorate our guest room in a Batman versus Superman theme. That is more than somewhat supportive. That's, Continue. Yeah, because Connor and I both have supportive uh, uh, partners, and uh, that's not happening. Yeah. Anyway, and will enjoy all the superhero movies with me, but for the most part, complains that I spend $60 at the comic book store in a month. <laughs> finish, finish. finish we got, I got a lot of things. How do I get her to see the value, love, and legitimacy in buying single issues? Do I need to sell off some of my babies to show her the value? With, there's a lot of stuff here. With Image putting out great new stuff all the time, I'm constantly reevaluating my pull list to fit in the budget that I know won't make her mad. Uh, <laughs> so much to go. Also, I should point out that we have a stable financial stream, so it's not like I'm spending outside of our means. She just thinks it's childish. Thanks for any help and advice. Every so often we get an email that's like getting a 64-ounce steak. There's just a lot of meat on this bone. There's a ton. First, I just want to say, we mentioned it before, that is not somewhat supportive. That is super supportive. Yeah. If I said, hey, let's decorate this room as, in the Batman versus Superman theme, I would get a death stare that would burn holes in the back of my skull. And well, I would his, say, ha ha, I was kidding. But and, you're, and, and let's be fair, your girlfriend is very into comic books. Yes. but not I mean, like not that. even like, like, like reads them weekly, buys yes, them. Yes, yes. Knows the stuff. Yes. And the things I don't, but, I don't even want to, I don't want to take No, no. Person, well, that leads to the question. When you say Batman versus Superman, are you talking about the movie? I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's a big, that's yeah. a big concession on her part. Also, 60 bucks a month. I used to spend that in a I, week. I, I thought it was going to say per week. And I was like, yeah, I can understand. Oh, a month? $15 a month. So that's, that's five issues, basically, a week. Uh, or less, probably the way the prices are going. Yeah. That's, that's, so that's. That's nothing. Yeah, and if you can afford it, all right. So I spend eighty bucks a week. So it sounds to me like your basic a. This is just straight marriage stuff. It doesn't matter what it is your hobby is. If it's golf or cycling or a mountain bike. Yeah, anything. Guns. What? Like this is all. No, every subculture has this, and this is just how to be married, and um, it will never go away, ever. No. So here's the thing. This to me sounds like the real issue is that she has. She doesn't accept the legitimacy of the comic book as she a form. She says it's childish. Well, there's your problem right there. Also, one more thing before we get into that deeper question is that there isn't, there's no value in the single issues. No. You're certainly gonna, not anything you've bought since X-Men 1. Yeah, I mean, the, the, maybe in that time there's maybe 20 single issues that are worth maybe some money. And, you but, could, uh, and if you were to sell them all in bulk to somebody who would be willing to buy them, you know, 10 cents on a dollar if you were lucky... The value is the artistic value and the, and the joy it brings you. That's, this is what I'm saying. That's, that's it's, the it's, value of it. From, from, from as, as, long, as long back as we can remember. <laughs> I always wanted to read comics. Our thing, <laughs> and I did it. Um, our thing with comics and iFanboy was sort of to be that the art form of comics is just as legitimate as any other art form of storytelling. Yes. And we stick by that. Obviously, when we, when we talk about writers and artists and craft and whatever... And whether they're doing superheroes or whatever, there is a level of uh, storytelling that I think that we all enjoy. And that, to me, is the value of it. And it's just, it's just a different kind of telling a story. And if it's because that storytelling is about superheroes, that doesn't wash because she watches the movies. And by the way, this is a cultural problem, not just her. Yeah. This is a form of art that I enjoy. And it's no different than any other form of art, as far as I'm concerned. You know, there's, there's, there's high and low-end examples in it. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's a form of entertainment that you like, and you don't need her to take it seriously, but I think you need her to respect uh, your appreciation of it. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have to get it, but she has to, she has to appreciate that, that you do, and that's a thing that's important to you. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm offended by the idea that somebody would say it's childish. I think that's silly, and, and increasingly rare today, by the way. But I don't know. I, like, that's, I think it's just like you don't have to like it, but you got to understand it's an art form, and I, I really like the way that this art form and storytelling form works, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep reading them. 
because we can afford it. It's not hurting anybody, and and you know, yes. If not, you can eat the curb. <laughs> it's weird that you're allowed to do the room like yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's bizarre. It's weird, right? Stephen Yu from Chicago writes and says, "I've been reading comics about two years now." Just started listening to the podcast by downloading about six months of episodes and getting fully caught up. I was particularly happy when my love of Airboy was validated by you guys since I can't get anyone else into it. My question is this. How do I get caught up with the vast amount of knowledge and history of comics, writers, artists, etc.? I can critique and have an intelligent conversation about movies and would really like to get there with comic books, such as understanding the changes in the industry, artistic influences, styles of writing, and so on. Could you recommend any good reference books for the history of comics to help someone hold their own when talking to seasoned comic book nerds? Also... Uh, or, or perhaps include a throwback pick of the week in each episode to recommend a significant story arc, artist, writer, change, or graphic novel. Which, let's start with the end first. So we're not going to add a throwback pick of the week to the show. But no. I'm going to point you to three links that will help you out. Okay. The first link is revision3.com slash ifanboy. The second link is revision... Does that still work? Yes, revision3.com slash okay. ifmini, I-F-M-I-N-I, I-F-M-I-N-I. And then also there's YouTube.com uh, slash iFanboy. There you're going to find about five years worth of video shows that we did in which we mostly talked about important stories, history of comics, artists style, and writers, style. Everything. This show is about the weekly book, so it's about what's new and happening now. The video show we did from 2007 or eight until 2012-ish was all about sort of evergreen topics. So that's yeah. where you're really going to – if you sit down and watch all those shows, you'll have a much better idea of the history of comics and characters and artists and writers than, than the, you would the, just read the books. The benefit of that also is that as you're going through it, you're kind of you're going to be learning along with us sort of because yeah. that's us also doing that. And and the only thing that I would add to that is exactly what I would have said. We you know we did that for a really long time, and, and it was fairly comprehensive. Obviously, some of them will be feel a little dated, but but the, the, the themes are still there, They were and they were designed that way. It's a little bit of you. You got to put in your time. You got to put in your ten thousand hours. It's it's you know it's your Malcolm Gladwell thing. Yeah, how did you become an expert on talking about movies? Is you probably watched a lot of movies and thought about them and read about them and talked about them for a really long time, and that's that's this is the same thing. What books should you read? So there's those the the standard ones we recommend. The Stan what's the Stanley one? I can't remember the name. Always recommend them. Yeah, it's been a while since I did that. Stanley was was by um, Tom Spurgeon and and a co-writer. And then there's a couple of Jack Kirby books. And the, to understand superhero comics, those are the ones you got to start with, really. Kirby King of Comics, which is sort of a big, sort of more of a coffee table book. Stanley, The Rise and Fall of the American Comic Book. There you go. Also, Marvel Comics, The Story by... Uh, Absolutely. What's his name? Uh, Sean Howe. Sean Howe. That one is... 100%. A, that's a must-read. 100%. And then Tales to Astonish by Ronan Rowe, which that's is the story of Jack Kirby. Of. Yeah. Those are great books to read. Well, those are mostly all about Marvel, but... Uh, you should read Understanding Comics. Yeah, by Scott McCloud, which is a comic book. I think there's a follow-up after that. Oh, also, um, comic book history of comics. Yeah. Oh, that's a great one. Comic book history of comics is a graphic novel that collected a six-issue comic book about the history of comics that came out fairly recently, and you can you can still get the collection. It's a great look at the history of comics. That'll give you a really nice overview of the entire industry. So then the other thing you can do, find the guys that you like, who are making comics today, writers, artists, whoever. And find interviews with them or, you know, written or podcast or whatever and listen to the stuff that they're talking about. Listen to the people that they're referring to, the people that they came up with and why. And then look at that stuff and you will start to see that through lines. The same thing you do with movies. You understand that, uh, you know, Spielberg was influenced by the filmmakers before him. You know, you, you hear you hear Steven Spielberg and then you want to go back and you want to watch a John Ford movie. It's the same thing. It, you're, 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 you're go- you, I do it with music too, like, like. When I was 15, Eddie Vedder was like, I like The Who. So I went back and listened to that. And then you find out who they like and you go back from there. And you, you start to see these through lines. You start to understand these, this stuff. That's how I built it personally. You know? But it also just takes a lot of time. And, and I mean, I, I honestly feel like in the, only in the last few years, certainly not when we started the video show, were we able to speak relatively competently and intelligently about comics. Mm-hmm. And, and it gets better and better. I'm sure that there are people who are like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Because it's also subjective. Well, at the very least, it's entertaining. Hopefully, yeah. No, it's 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 fun. It's fun learning. I mean, if you like the, it, and it's funny because I hope that the guy from the last one, Scott, is, is listening to this. You know, mm-hmm. but there's a rich history. Like it's, it's a it's a it's the history of America. 
It is. What's nice about it too is that it actually doesn't go back that far. So it's kind of tangible. Like you can, it's not so like the history of literature. That's much bigger. But the history of comics, you you can kind of fit in the last hundred years. You know, you're not going to read everything. You're not going to have the time or resources to sort of get all that in. But you're going to start to see trends. You're going to start to understand, you know, decade by decade sort of what happens. Those books that I talked about are great in understanding sort of American superhero comics and sort of the thrust of the industry. That's fun. I envy you. I I love that. That's great stuff. So if also if you're not Scott, right? Mm -hmm. I just closed the email by accident. And you never you didn't know we did a video show for like five years. Those are where you can find them at those three links. YouTube.com slash iFanboy, Vision3.com slash iFanboy. And those were our weekly shows. And our Vision3.com slash iFmini were our daily. daily shows we did for about a year uh, every weekday. So there's, a t- there's so much content there. You'll be set for a while. And it's fun. It's funny. So check those out. It's fun and funny. You can email us at contact at iFanboy.com or call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOY-326-2697 to tell us who you are, where you're from. Keep it around 30 seconds. That's how you get on the show. Good emails this week. From Greg, Scott, and Stephen. Thanks for doing that. You might want to also listen to our uh, to our show, Goodfellas Minute. This is another podcast that we're doing. Comes out five days a week. Me, it's like Ron, the and Family Mini again. Sort of, but it doesn't have anything to do with comics. <laughs> and it's much easier to produce. Yeah, uh, where we're going through the Martin Scorsese film Goodfellas, one minute at a time. This past week, we had uh, we had podcast superstar Tom Merritt along with us. That's right. We'll have some other guests going forward. We're having a comics, comics Luminary coming up in a couple of That's weeks. That's true. Uh, at least yeah. Luminary to us. And it's fun. I really enjoy doing that show. Yeah, it's super fun. So you'll learn a lot about uh, that movie and about history and, and what we find very entertaining about it and funny. <laughs> Goodfellowsminute.com. That's where you can find all yep. the shows. Cool. Then you can also get over to ifanboy.com where you can comment on this show. You can talk about uh, this week's books on uh, in the comments there. Um, you can find all of our other podcasts and, and shows that are all linked there too. Uh, you can follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy or at ifanboy on Twitter. You can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Ron XO. All right. There's over a decade worth of stuff there if you got the gumption. To, did you have the stones <laughs> to read through and watch all that content? I've been clicking through this Revision 3 page. And most of the videos are there, but every once in a while I find one that does not find it. But for the most part, you'll get there's still tons of content. Yeah. Sadly, the uh, bad DC Villains mini is not found. I'm sure that's, I have that file. That's file my somewhere. favorite one we did. If you like the show, write a review on iTunes. That's how people find podcasts. And better yet, tell your friends... If you got friends with similar interests or wives or girlfriends or husbands or boyfriends or stepmoms, anyone who likes comics or is interested, tell them about the Fanboy Podcast. They may, or tell them about Goodfellas Minute if you know someone who likes that. Tell your sure. friends. Help spread the word. You're the street team. <laughs> You're the intern crew we used to have. That's, that's how people yeah. find podcasts, and that's how we get people to listen. So we thank you. You want to come to my house? I'll give you a T-shirt. Don't come to my house. <laughs> that's a, there's a lot of issues there. You just, uh, you just wait. There are also a lot of issues at my house. But again, that's not really sending you away. So, just forget I said that. Edit this out. All right, I'll edit it out. <laughs> so that'll do for this week's show. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something about the legitimacy of this great medium. I learned your spyliness in the face of Darth Vader. Yeah. I'm, I don't blame you. You know what are you gonna do? Not nice. All right, tell us to come, Connor. I'm Josh. Bye. Don't need money. Don't-